if you were to claim some of the ape coin, let's say, let's imagine a world where you actually own a bored ape from the Bored Ape Yacht Club. They give the NFT owners airdrop free claims on ApeCoin. And right. I was looking through the wallets. One person has not claimed 272,000 ApeCoins that they could claim, which current value is $4,284,000. Jeez. So, so you wonder if that person lost the keys to their wallet or they're just not paying attention. I have no idea, but I mean, can you imagine just $4 million being like, someone's like, excuse me, would you like this? And you're just like, not home to answer the door. (laughs) Bogdan, Brian and their guests are not registered investment advisors. Nothing discussed today should be relied on for investment decisions, nor is it investment advice. This show is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Please work directly with an investment professional. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Crypto Safari podcast, where we tunnel down into the DeFi dirt, scuttling through the crooks and crannies, looking for some soft, supple tokens to fill up your crypto bellies. As always, my name is Bogdan, and I have Brian here with me. How's it going, Brian? Uh, it's going great, Bogdan. Uh, yet another great opening. I don't know where you come up with this stuff, but it, it's it's gold, baby. It comes to me in my dreams. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I have some terrible dreams, nightmares. It sounds, it sounds nightmarish. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. All right, shall we jump into the news? Because a lot of stuff has happened. We have a lot to cover. Yeah, let's, let's get right in. Let's get into it. So... I have three pieces of news for us today. First one is, have you heard about the Solana crash? Uh, I did read a quick headline about that. Apparently it was down for like seven hours on Sunday or something. Yeah, seven hours outage on Solana. It was on Saturday and apparently it was due to bots flooding the network when they were using an NFT minting tool. And these bots submitted, get this, more than 4 million transactions per second. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And these are minting transactions? Yeah, yeah. So I I can't really blame Solana for this. You know, if you have 4 million transactions per second, like no, nobody can really handle something like that. So the actual people who were operating uh, the validation nodes were able to restart the entire network by coordinating it through Discord. Um, but as a result, Solana's token price did drop, but it has recovered since, so. Well, you know, man, bots seem to be the scourge of the internet, you know, for all, for most platforms, social media, for exchanges. I mean, I know it's a tough thing to combat, but it seems like, I don't know, I mean, there's it, gotta be a, a way. It's yeah, well, you need bot. bots to find, bo- to fight the bots. So you got to create an army of bots to fight army of bots. That sounds like a type of a Terminator type situation where the bots become aware. And next thing you know, Skynet is live and we're all doomed. We're, we're getting close to that situation. I feel like this is just the start. And we, we're not expecting it because, you know, like, oh, what's the harm in a Twitter bot until it's sentient? I wish I was a bot. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that's uh, Solana had a little bit of adversity. My second news story here, though, I wanted to share a little bit of positivity because, you know, 
we we like to share negative things because they're exciting it's interesting you know if it bleeds it leads okay. but actually this is a piece of positive news which is a recent attack on one of the crypto bridges called rainbow bridge hmm. was stopped automatically and no funds were lost have you heard about this i have not tell me more yeah, so the Rainbow Bridge is similar to other bridges in that it allows you to transfer tokens between different networks. So in this case, this bridge works between Ethereum, the Near Network, and the Aurora Network. And the cool thing about it is its architecture is designed to resist attacks. So it not only stopped the attacker from hacking the network, but the attacker actually lost 2.5 Ethereum in fees by trying to attack the network. I like that. Make the cost exactly. higher, the reward, well, maybe not higher, but make them pay a little bit. Exactly. So the Rainbow Bridge team is actually trying to redesign parts of its security so that in future attempts of attacks, it's going to be even costlier for attackers. I, I love it. You know, we got to have some sort of deterrent, something that says, hey, even a failed attempt is going to cost you. If you get caught, it still might cost you. And I mean, there's been not to say a lot of controversy, but there's a lot of people talking about bridges in terms of their ability to be hacked like this. And that's why some people think that, you know, layer two solutions for this cross train kind of transactions makes more sense. But it sounds like they have, they figured something out. You know what they're doing to basically prevent this? I don't know the technical uh, specs on it, but that is really interesting and i'm sure that other people who are operating bridges and networks like this are probably looking at that and saying like hey we should implement something like this as well yeah well yeah. i mean the sad thing is it's probably only the time before hackers realize and figure out how to get through whatever system or protocol they set up to prevent this you know what i mean and so you kind of have to stay you know a few steps ahead of these guys so hopefully they they figured something out that allows them to stay 20 steps ahead yeah, there will always be a way to hack anything. The thing that we want to do is essentially make it difficult. So at least it's a headache to hack yeah. into stuff. Yeah, yeah. Make them, make them sweat and work for it. <laughs> You're hack my money. I want, I want to see some, some sweat on your brow. Exactly, exactly. So uh, those are the first two. And then my last news story here is, I think you've probably heard about this one, which is over the weekend, Yuga Labs, who is the owner of Bored Ape Yacht Club, one of the biggest NFTs in the NFT world, actually did a big NFT drop, raising over $320 million for their NFT land sale on their metaverse called Other, the Other Side. Yeah, actually, I, I was reading it was over $400 million. Oh, wow. So maybe they've made even more since I, I read this story. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So there was a, a big problem with this. There was. So apparently they had formatted their contract in such a way that it wasn't very efficient. And the reason that they formatted it in this way is they wanted people to use their proprietary coin called ApeCoin mm -hmm. in order to purchase these plots of land for their metaverse instead of using Ethereum. And this created so much congestion on the Ethereum network that a bunch of transactions failed and people lost a bunch of Ether in gas fees. So with gas fees, like you pay a fee in order to get your transaction validated on the blockchain. 
but that doesn't guarantee that your transaction will get validated on there. So sometimes you lose your gas and you don't yeah. even get your transaction done. Which is ridiculous. And I mean, yeah, there was a lot of people lost. Um, Board Yacht Club or Yuba did well, but I think one of the big winners is Ethereum. They generated over a hundred million in Ethereum gas fees in less than an hour. That's crazy. Imagine you make a hundred million dollars in less than an hour. Yeah, yeah. Well, the interesting thing is that that hundred million dollars is spread across all of the people who are validators on Ethereum. So that's a good thing for all those validators, but it doesn't like go to one person. Right? Right. It's like spread out. The it, go ahead. Well, and, and Ethereum's a nonprofit anyway, so it's not like you know. They're just shoveling this money in their pockets to go buy some Teslas or something. Yeah, yeah. And these these gas fees aren't small either. So the network got congested so much at one point that some buyers actually paid five Ethereum just in fees alone. Oh my gosh. Oof. To translate for the for people out there, five Ethereum is about fifteen thousand dollars. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, like I mean. Well, I wouldn't say Ethereum itself is a winner because it's more proof that, you know, they've got a lot of problems and they need to come out with their ETH2 really quick. And I don't know, I, I was reading about the conspiracy theories because, you know, Yuba Labs is launching their own blockchain. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so some people, some conspiracists thought that they did this intentional bottleneck to basically promote their new blockchain because they tweeted out that, you know, it's abundantly clear that they need their own uh, proprietary chain to properly scale ahead. So it's kind of like, a, this sucks. Sorry about it. This is why you need to join our. Ah, interesting. So some people thought it was a little bit of a, a shady maneuver. I don't think that's the case personally. Um, yeah. It's not good for the community to try to do something like that just to promote your own blockchain. But, you know, who knows? People are talking. People are unhappy. Yeah, I feel like even if they had orchestrated this in order to promote their own blockchain, I think it just creates bad PR for your brand, oh, yeah. right? Like now, if I see something like this, I think of Yuga Labs as less competent because I'm like, you, you couldn't mint land in a more organized fashion considering it's already been done before. It's not, you know, that revolutionary. Exactly. And negative press isn't good, even if it's to try to promote something you know, good to come out of it. It's still, it's still not a positive thing. And you never want that. Yeah, exactly. So Yuga did apologize for the disruptions and they, they promised that they would reimburse the user's gas fees associated with failed transactions. Well, that's going to take, let me know when the check's in the mail for that one. Exactly. But they do have the money to do it. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just wonder how that, um, that, that process is going to work for the average, um, you know, buyer. Yeah. You got to yeah. fill out a form and triplicate to get it stamped and notarized. I mean, <laughs> obviously not. That's that's not the case. I mean, it might be pretty easy, but if you've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of people lined up to get this, you know, money back, it's going to take some time. But at least they offered. That's nice of them. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I had in my world of crypto news. What do you have for us? Yeah, you know, I've got a couple things. Um, you know, one of them is related to... It, it, related to the NFTs, related to what we're talking about, and it's the rise in ape-themed airdrop phishing scams. What's that mean? So, as you know, their uh, projects will do something called an airdrop, where they basically give away free tokens to promote a new project, a new NFT, that sort of thing. So, it's basically just to create awareness 
and give something free for you know following them maybe on Twitter or Reddit or something. Mm-hmm. And so what's happening now is there's a lot of people who are creating fake websites that mirror the actual website of whatever project. And then they'll post on um, Twitter. Like we talked about this last week, I think. And they'll post on Twitter, like link your wallet for airdrop of our new token or NFT. Oh yeah. And then so people think like, oh sweet, I'm going to get some free stuff. They link their wallet and all of a sudden they're taking stuff out of their wallet instead of putting stuff in. Yeah. Yeah. That actually happened in one of my NFT groups. It was like 11 o'clock at night and I was just about to go to bed and I got a message from my NFT group saying like, hey, we're doing a new airdrop for all of you guys here. Put your wallet into this uh, site. And I was like, oh, that's cool that they're finally doing that. And I was like, I'll do it in the morning. I'm tired. And I like didn't do it, thankfully. And then when I woke up in the morning, there was a message from the admin saying like, do not put your, (laughs) we've been hacked. And the interesting thing is they had hacked into one of the admins on the Discord's uh, Discord user. So it was coming from a legitimate source in the Discord channel. Yeah. Yep. That's what happened uh, last time we spoke about this. Someone hacked someone's Twitter account and created the the fake website and so it's i mean they're getting pretty sophisticated with this kind of stuff but for me like i'm never going to link my wallet to just something that gets posted on social media well that's tough because most of the nft stuff is happening on crypto twitter or happening on the discord so in this case it's in a discord channel from a person who you've known for like many many months no quotation marks well, I mean, you you know this person because you're part of the NFT project and then their account gets hacked. So you don't uh-huh. realize that that's not the person who's actually talking. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like, do you really know who this person is 100% of the time, all the time? Yeah. And you know what? Hey, if I got to miss out on some free airdrops to, to, not get, to not get hacked, I don't know. I just have a problem with it personally. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just paranoid, but I don't trust uh, social media. I don't trust those type of um, opportunities, I guess. Yeah. Well, if you, and I'll, I'll cover this a little bit later, but for example, if you were to claim some of the ape coin, let's say, let's imagine a world where you actually own a board ape from the board ape yacht club. They give the NFT owners airdrop free claims on ape coin. And I was looking through the wallets one person has not claimed 272,000 ape coins that they could claim, which current value is $4,284,000. So, so you wonder if that person lost the keys to their wallet or they're just not paying attention. I have no idea. But I mean, can you imagine just $4 million being like, someone's like, excuse me, would you like this? And you're just like, not home to answer the door. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, actually, you know, that, that, that makes me think like, okay, maybe I should create like a separate wallet just for like airdrops. That is probably a good idea. You the know I mean? issue is they have to validate that you have the NFT. Uh, that's where there's the problem. Like they need right. to look in your wallet and stick their little hands right, in there. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I mean, hey, you know, you got, eventually you're going to have to trust somebody, even if it is um, an online presence. And like you said, I mean, $4 million, like that's a pretty, pretty good, t- a tidy sum just to have given to you for just holding an NFT and linking your wallet to, to their platform. So, yeah, all right, you're making a strong case. Uh, speaking of airdrops, uh, we talked about ZK Sync a few months ago, and apparently they're going to be doing an airdrop 
for some of their tokens when they launch. Oh, very cool. Yeah. And so I've been uh, watching some YouTube videos on how to connect uh, your wallet to ZK Sync. And I'm going to connect it tomorrow and uh, make some purchases using my Coinbase wallet on their platform. And hopefully maybe I will get airdropped some ZK Sync tokens. Oh, very cool. If that yeah. happens, yes, we'll, we want an update for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely an update. And I feel more comfortable with this type of scenario because I'm going to their website. Well, I guess their website could have been hacked, but anyway, I'll take a chance with this one. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is uh, from what I've learned from just hacks in regular life and ha online hacks is always be suspicious when someone has reached out to you yes. asking you for something versus yeah. you going into your computer on your own volition and going to some site to do something. So that's like the number one, like red flag should be, did someone reach out to me Yeah, exactly. to tell me to do this? Right. What's, what's the catalyst? So um, anyway, so moving right along here. So we talked about the phishing scams. Have you heard of Kraken? The trading I've, platform. I've heard of Kraken, but don't know much about it. Yeah, I don't know much either. They're not huge. I think they're in the top 20 in terms of just like trading volume, uh, but uh, they're, they're, they're up there. But anyway, they're creating a new NFT marketplace, mm. which is going to be launching soon. Uh, the wait list is already live and they are boasting zero fees for sales and transfers. Whoa, in, indefinitely or for a limited time? Is that uh, is this, uh, just what they, I mean, this is their sales pitch. I, I'm not sure about length, um, duration or whatever, but once the NFTs are custodied on their platform, you can trade and buy with no fees. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, also, they have something called a rarity tool. You might know something more about this. It basically allows them to verify their NFTs on the site without using a third party. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so... Typically, rarity tools are third-party pieces yeah. of software. So like there's literally one called rarity tools that you can look up the rarity of different NFTs. So that's cool that they have one that's integrated into yeah. their platform. Integrated and no fees. So as an NFT guy, you might want to check it out. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, like I've said before, I respect what OpenSea is doing, but I also think they need competition and yep. I'm all for competition. There you go. Um, if I get into NFTs, I might go to Kraken just to save some money on fees. So yeah. um, also there was an interesting story I read about. I know we're kind of moving slow on the news, but I'll make this one quick. It's kind of an interesting development. Um, have you heard of the blockchain called Juno? I have not. Yeah, I, I've heard the name. Uh, don't really know much about it. But uh, recently they also had an airdrop of a certain amount of their tokens. And there was a 50,000 limit per uh, wallet of how much you could get during this during this airdrop and so in the process this guy from uh, japan takumi asano he had 50 wallets and collected the max of the airdrop for each 50 wallets okay mm -hmm. now it wasn't a big deal until they saw they transferred all of these tokens into one wallet and the governance uh, body, the people who own the tokens, voted to revoke, take back all of his coins out of his wallet. Oh, wow. They can do that? They can just like take his coins out? Uh, apparently they did. They started off with like a straw poll just to see what the sentiment was about taking them back. And eventually they did vote and they did take away all of his tokens. Now, the interesting part is that this guy is saying that, listen, I am part of an investment group 
And these tokens were all spread around for security reasons. And I was going to take them and disperse them amongst my investors. Oh, okay. that's why I did this. Now, who knows if that's true, but it still marks like an interesting precedence for the way that these uh, projects are governed because a lot of tokens you buy for projects are governance tokens. It allows you to make choices or vote on how things should be ran. And so in this case, I think 72% of the holders voted to revoke this person's coins, which I'm assuming was a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, I'm kind of on the side of the guy who like is following the rules to some degree, right? Having separate wallets, uh, you know, spreading it to his investors, et cetera, et cetera, allegedly. I feel like there should be more than just to me, it seems like kind of mob mentality where if yeah, the mob decides that, you know, you don't deserve the thing that you have, then they can just take it from you without well, insulting you. Exactly. And especially since those tokens are going to be distributed amongst the community. So there's an incentive for them to vote to have these taken away. Uh, my thing is, and I'm not sure exactly how fast this happened, but it seems like it happened pretty quick without any type of um you know discovery and the trial or anything to, to, to say let's dig into deeper into this and look at all the facts you know what i mean yeah. it was kind of like everybody all in favor of getting you know taking this person's tokens raise their hand you know yeah. like click like, this emoji to vote yes <laughs> yeah there's like pitchforks and fire in the audience you know <laughs> so anyway it's an interesting um interesting development and uh, we'll see what this means for other projects hmm. interesting yeah. yep very cool. Oh, so that is, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, that is it for the news. I was just going to jump into listener questions next. So thank you guys again for submitting these listener questions. We love getting these. And I think the ones this week are particularly interesting. So yeah. our first one here is from Sudo. He is asking, where's a good place to learn about crypto wallets? Some people say keep it all on an exchange. Others say keep it in a hardware wallet. Is there a happy medium between the two? What are your thoughts, Brian? Well, I mean, there's a there's definitely a, another medium. So he's talking about either exchanges, which I'm thinking he means uh, centralized, and he's also thinking hard wallets, meaning the external software to hold your tokens. But there's also the hot wallets that aren't connected to an exchange that you can keep tokens as well. So there's actually a third option. So in terms of the best place to learn about wallets, you know, honestly, I went to YouTube. Mm. and just watched a couple of people I trust and have gotten good information from before to learn about wallets. Any uh, particular people that you can recommend? Uh, yeah. I mean, I can pass on some information or I don't know how you, you know this person, but I can give them a couple links um, to some people that I've learned from. Um, and so I think maybe that is a happy medium is having that hot wallet. Mm -hmm. You know, um, It keeps your, your coins in your own possession. You keep your owner of the keys so I think that's that's pretty much it. What do you think? And by hot wallet, you mean like a MetaMask or yeah. a, okay, yeah. So yeah, like a MetaMask, Coinbase wallet, um, any wallet where you actually own the keys to it. So when you sign up for a uh, centralized exchange, they own the keys to your wallet. Yeah. And so really you don't know, if you don't own your, your uh, keys, you don't know your coins is, is the same, so. Yeah. I think there is a happy medium and I'll share what I do. So I put, my cryptocurrency on exchanges and I leave it on exchanges because it's insured there up to $250,000. Uh, most exchanges offer some type of insurance. So you can just look it up in the frequently asked questions area. They usually explain what their insurance is and how they secure things. So I keep cryptocurrencies like tokens, all of that there. 
in terms of NFTs, that's where you don't necessarily want to keep them on an exchange because they're not insured, mm. in my understanding. Mm -hmm. So a risky place to keep them is a MetaMask wallet, which is a hot wallet because those can get hacked, especially because they can see what NFTs are in your wallet and then they can figure out a way to hack you. So those I prefer to keep on a hardware wallet, like a ledger. Mm. And ledger ledgers are not that expensive. They're like a hundred bucks, but that way at least it's not, you know, directly connected to the internet and your computer. A interesting thing that I learned about MetaMask is MetaMask actually keeps your seed phrase on your computer. Did you know this? Mm, no, so they don't have a central database of seed phrases? They do not. So your, your uh, seed phrase is kept on your computer in like a little text file. And so if someone can hack into your computer and then search for that text file, they can try to find your seed phrase in there because it's encrypted in there but like they can find that file take it off your computer and then they can take all the time they want to try and decrypt it mm. on their own and then they basically just type that seed phrase into a computer and they can take all of your stuff so that's why it's important to have a hardware wallet yeah i mean i've never used metamask but they've had issues in the past a lot of people say don't use them they just flat out and so i went with coinbase wallet I don't know what they've done lately to improve things, but also when you talk about people being able to see into your wallets, you're talking about once you hook these wallets up to like OpenSea, for example, right? So as soon as you, as soon as you get MetaMask, it has automatically communicated with the internet and your seed phrase has been exposed on the internet because it connects that text file in order to be able to connect your computer to do stuff. So... Yeah. Yeah, versus a ledger can like which is like a little USB drive, you stick into your computer so it is it isn't connected to the internet. It's only connected to your computer, and then you unplug it, and then your computer is obviously right. doing stuff on the internet. You said earlier though that once you with hot wallets, people can look into them and see what's in there. Yeah, earlier. So let's say that I'm using something not not MetaMask something else. So, but they can only look in there once you connect it to like OpenSea or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I I have my wallet, my hot wallet, and I use like maybe some uh, sushi swap or something like that to change tokens. And I only hook it up when I'm doing a transaction, and it's usually from the mat from the wallet through their website, and so it's not always connected to it. So that shouldn't be able to give people visibility into it, correct? Shouldn't be able to, but sometimes it can. So remember, we had that story a while back. It was like three or four weeks ago, where you know anyone who connected their MetaMask wallet to OpenSea, it created like a permanent connection between uh -huh. the two. And you, you never know if those things are happening where someone right. can find an exploit and something like that. So to answer your question, Sudo, a good place to learn just in general about crypto wallets is the YouTube channels that Brian mentioned. Um, if you can share some of those mm -hmm. YouTubers' names, that'd be great. Um, but the place that I really like what made crypto wallets clear for me was on the proof podcast they have an episode that is just a one hour long discussion just about crypto wallets and it was very enlightening they explained exactly what happens with metamask exactly what happens with a hardware wallet and they gave different scenarios when you would want to use each
Excellent. Um, you know, I just looked up one of the people that I've been following on YouTube. His name is Money ZG. Money ZG. Money ZG. And he's got a ton of cool like crypto blockchain content, like trading tutorial videos and pretty much everything you can think of. He, he's pretty good. I think he's based in the UK, but he's just got a lot of content. Um, he used to be a trader in securities and other stuff. And so he just knows about um, these type of areas and he's got a lot of good knowledge and it's not like a lot of hype. It's more just like really just down to earth, just like, you know, really good knowledge. And you can tell yeah. he's, he knows what he's talking about. So uh, yeah, Money ZG is a good place to go for uh, tutorials on wallets. He's got some good ones. Nice. Very cool. Awesome. Thank you, Sudo, for that question. Yeah. Our next question here is from Charles. Charles is asking, it seems that crypto prices are very much tied together. If Bitcoin and Ethereum go up, so do altcoins and vice versa. Yeah. Does this mean that choosing one token over another really isn't as important as just investing in general? Yes, um, I would say it doesn't mean that. And, and here's why. So you've heard of the S&P 500, right? Yes. Okay. So for those who don't know, S&P 500 is a stock index that tracks the 500 largest companies in the United States, right? And so people track, they track the performance of these stocks, of these 500 stocks to show how people feel about the broader economy, right? And so you can look at Ethereum and Bitcoin as an index of the cryptocurrency, even though it's just two. But it also it shows you how people feel about the broader economy and also about the crypto market in general. And so I would use those two as a basically an index to track the sentiments of how people feel about investing. And then if you have a project that you're interested in and maybe the price is kind of low, then if Bitcoin and Ethereum go up, you can probably expect to see some gains there. And those gains might be pretty large because crypto, I mean, Bitcoin and Ethereum, they do move, but not like some of these mooning uh, new projects that have a ton of opportunity for growth. So I would say uh, good to look at them, good to track them, but it's also good to own some other stuff as well. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think Bitcoin, Ethereum, and altcoins tend to trend together, but at different mm -hmm. scales. So I remember last year when things were going up, Ethereum was going up by like 10 or 20 or even 30%. In the meantime, Solana was going up like, 50, 80, yeah. 100%. Mm -hmm. So yes, they do tend to go up and down together, but at different scales. So that's why it's good when things are down like this, you want to look for those better value mm -hmm. tokens that might 2x, 3x, 4x. Yeah, absolutely. And it stocks as altcoins, a lot of these community-driven coins like Shiba Inu, Doge, and stuff like that, they all follow the similar pattern. And if you look at like what those patterns mean when Bitcoin and Ethereum are, are having those issues, it usually has to do with the broader economy in a whole. And so all this stuff is tied into how people feel about, um, about investing, about you know, being bearish or bullish, or just about that, how they feel about the future. So yeah. yeah, good question though. Good question. If you guys want to get your questions answered, remember you can always write to us at questions at cryptosafari.us and we will get to your questions in the next episode. So with that, let's jump into our two coins for this week. Uh, before we do, let's recap how we evaluate coins in general, and that is PTAC, so purpose, team, advantage, community. Those are the four factors we look at, and then we also look at tokenomics. 
So PTAC is our system. So with that, I'm going to hand it over to you, Brian, to go first, because you know what? I feel generous today. <laughs> Thank you. So you're airdropping me a, a turn to go first. Huh? I'm airdropping. Yes, I'm airdropping. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, I'll tell you what, I've got an interesting one today. And I think it's following this, the trend of the last few episodes. You did sand, I did water, H2O after that. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about gold. Oh, okay. Shiny, shiny gold. So my project for this week is something called PAX Gold. Now there's actually a few different tokens that are pegged to the price of gold. So they're not unique in that way. Um, I didn't know about this until I started researching this one, that there's actually some other ones out there, which kind of makes sense. I mean, if you're going to peg a currency to the dollar, why not peg it to something that is even more stable, like a commodity like gold? Mm -hmm. So uh, PAX Gold is a digital token backed by gold. Each token is backed by one fine troy ounce of, of a 400 ounce U.S. London gold delivery gold bar. Wow. So it's like real gold, like real gold, real, no, gold. real gold. Okay. And the gold is stored in a Brinks vault. So professional gold storage. Um, if you own the PAX G, which is the name of the token, you own the underlying physical gold held by the Paxos trust company. Okay. So it, it's pegged to gold, but it's actually a way to buy real gold. Yeah. So why would somebody want to go through this rather than investing in like a gold index or something like that? What's the difference here? Yeah. Um, one of the biggest difference is the amount of fees that you pay for uh, investing in a gold index. Also, a lot of times the transaction processing is slow. And so when that happens, um, you can get caught in um, it's basically when you're making a transaction and the price fluctuates too much. And you can lose money that way. Mm, okay. And so that's one of the issues um, that you have when you're buying gold fees and just that little bit of uncertainty because the transaction processing is slow. Um, also, you know, once again, you're, you're buying an index of gold shares. You're not actually owning the physical gold. Mm -hmm. Well, I've heard that some indexes do have gold reserves that like back up the gold that they are oh. holding. So something like that. Right. But I think the biggest difference too is with this token, you can actually redeem it for the physical gold. Wait, really? Yeah. Yeah. I want this. I, I, I know. Would love to I'm get a block of gold. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So we'll get into the purpose. So its purpose is to make buying, holding, trading, and redeeming gold easier. Okay. Now it gives you the benefits of physical ownership of specific gold bars and the speed and mobility of a digital asset. Okay. Instant transaction reduce exposure to settlement risk. And so that's the purpose. So it's all about mobility, speed, and making owning physical gold easier because you can't just lug it around from bank to bank. Mm -hmm. um, and so that makes that easier. And then what I was talking about earlier was that exposure to settlement risk. And that's that fluctuation in prices while the transactions are being processed. Okay. Okay. So that's the purpose. Now, here are the advantages of, of this token and how they operate. So it's highly accessible. Um, it can be moved or traded anywhere in the world 24-7, low investment minimums, and anyone can own a fraction of an LBM accredited gold bar. Okay. And so the LBMA is just an accreditation. It's just how they certify um, gold. Yeah. Okay. And so the other advantage they have is trust. They're regulated by the New York State Department of Financial Services. And they have an auditor who goes in and attests that the matching gold supply is in line with the tokens every month. 
that must be such a fun job. Can you imagine just heading into the vaults and being like, all right, how much gold is here? Yeah, just sliding around on it. like Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's trustworthy. Um, It's redeemable. Owners can redeem for actual gold bars and USD. So you can redeem it for actual gold or US dollars. How does that work? Like, do they just, how do they ship you the gold? Because I feel like that would need insurance to make sure that it gets to you. Yeah, and that's a good question. They do have, um, so this is a U.S. company, and I guess they have different locations where you can actually do that. And just pick it up. I think maybe gold dealers, or there's some sort of network of gold buyers and sellers where you can probably go there and you get a certificate saying, I am going to redeem this for this amount of gold. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm not really sure exactly how that works, but apparently you can do it. That's pretty cool. Or, or you just show them like your crypto wallet and you're like, hey, yeah. I want some of my gold. <laughs> and then they just slap a gold bar on the table. Um, and so the other advantage is it's flexible. You can convert or redeem it for fiat, physical or uh, unallocated gold on the Paxos platform. And so if you go to the platform and you can redeem it and they'll send you in the mail, you know, some gold tokens like for probably for a limited amount. You can't get, you know, a, yeah. a ton of gold probably shipped to you <laughs> or if you want to. Um, also, they have low fees. Um, it's held in secure gold vaults with no storage fees. So if you own a lot of gold and you want to keep it in a vault, you're going to pay every month for that storage access. Yeah. Um, also, they just have low transaction fees on their platform. Mm-hmm. Okay. So moving right along, the team, um, the CEO is a guy named Charles Cascarella. Um, he's a finance guy. Didn't really read much else about him. He's just been in the finance business for a long time. He started this company and another, and this company also has something called Paxos. And Paxos launched the first regulated crypto exchange, ITBIT, in 2012. Okay. What's so an ITBIT? That was the name of their exchange. Oh, okay. So they launched the first regulated crypto exchange ever. Interesting. Okay. Also in 2018, they issued the world's first regulated stablecoin, which is now called USDP. Interesting. So they've got some good, good, good history. Um, on the board, they have Sheila Baer, former chairman of the FDIC. That's former a good senator. person to have on your yeah, side. Exactly. <laughs> former Senator Bill Bradley is on the board. That's senator. I, I don't trust him as much, but go on. <laughs> okay. And a guy named Scott Malpass, former CFO for the University of Notre Dame. Interesting. So there you go. Team, solid team, reputable. Um, in terms of the com- community, I didn't really find a lot of information about the community in terms of you know, what is their presence, who's really getting involved, like on large scale. But if you think about like just gold in general, anybody who loves gold is going to be part of this community. And they, if they're interested in crypto, um, institutional investors seem to be a big part of their community. Um, a company called Nexo, a crypto banking institution, purchased 5 million um, tokens uh, in 2019. So that's so if you think about a financial institution who's also into crypto and they want to have this secure, solid asset, this makes sense for them. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, gold is a very popular item. In 2019, $145 billion was the average daily trading volume. Wow. That's so a lot crazy. of money changing hands. So, and uh, the leading futures uh, for gold contracts trades 27 million ounces daily. Wow. So this is a big community. And if for something like this, I think you look at just the broader implications and applications for something like this. Yeah. Yeah. Not you know what's funny? Yeah. You know what's funny about that is that in general, people who are really into gold and believe that gold is like the best asset tend to be very anti-crypto. 
they say like, oh, crypto, you can't hold it. You can't touch it. You know, it's just funny money. Gold is like a tangible asset. It's been around for millennia. So it's interesting that the two worlds are meeting with this one. crypto. Yeah, it's bridging that gap. And you're right. A lot of people who are, you know, uh, wary and you know, don't trust fiat money and, uh, you know, the, the Federal Reserve. They hold a lot of gold or silver. And so I think this is a, for, for, you know, they tend to be older people, let's be honest, who think that way. But I think this is still a really cool project. And I like the idea of owning some gold. Yeah, that's yeah. very cool. I, I've cool. always wanted to own some gold, like legitimately as an investment, because I do think it's a good kind of slow and steady type of asset that goes up. I feel like the, I obviously have like 401k and the whole S&P 500 thing, but you know, stuff can go bad in that world versus gold just kind of tends to trend up forever. <laughs> it, it tends to trend up and it's also, um, it's finite. There's only a certain amount of gold that's, that's out there. So you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, hyper gold inflation. And also, you know, if things go bad, God forbid, gold is going to be something that's always going to be valuable. So, and I mean, most people know that we were actually, our currency was pegged to, to gold for a long time, like most large economies. And I think Nixon took it off us off the gold standard in 78. And ever since then, we've had these issues with um, the Fed printing too much money and hyperinflation. Exactly. So exactly. we'll get into that. Kind but of a yeah. big mistake there, old uh, Richard. I agree. So let's get into tokenomics. So this project is ranked number 103 on CoinMarketCap. Uh, their current market cap is $620 million. The current trading price is $1,887 per token. So price of gold, one troy ounce, price of the token, but you can buy fractions. All-time high was about $3,500. All-time hmm. low, about $1,400. Oh, okay. So it is pretty pricey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For one token. Yeah, it's, it's the price of gold. Yeah. And you can buy, you know, fractions of it, just like Ethereum or anything. And right now, the circulating supply is about 328000 Interesting. Yeah. Where can, is this available on normal exchanges or where would someone have to go to purchase something like this? Because I imagine it's not just, you know, sitting on Coinbase or is it? Um, well, they, they trade their token on most Ethereum, like ERC20 based uh, exchanges. Okay. But you can also go to their website and buy directly, I think, from them. Um, okay. But and yeah, I mean, they're, they're traded on, on most platforms. You know, it's funny about that. So you buy this token from their website and you put it on your crypto wallet and the gold, yes, is locked up in a Brinks, you know, high security vault, but your crypto wallet that is related to that gold is just in your house. So it's almost like keeping the gold in your house. Mm -hmm. So you better have a very good high security place for that crypto wallet. Uh, yeah, I do. It's called my prison wallet. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you know, I, uh, you know, I wanted to own some gold as well too. just keep it in like a safety deposit box someplace just because it'd be nice to have some shiny stuff in a box, you yeah. know, makes and, you feel good. Makes you feel yeah. safe. It makes, yeah. It gives you that warm, fuzzy feeling at the end of the night, you know, when the, the when the COVID part three comes back, you're like, ah, I got my gold. I got my gold. I'll be Not worried about it. Aliens, yeah. zombies. I got my gold. Yeah. So anyway, that's PAX gold. Uh, I'm really excited about this one. And I think I want to own some gold this year. What about, what say you, young man? I think that's cool. I, I would be up for owning a little bit of gold. Um, just to, I just love that it's the old school world meeting the new school world. Mm -hmm. And it's like both of them working together. 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, like I said, there's eight other gold-backed projects out there too. One's called The Commission, which is pretty popular. But uh, yeah, anyway, look it out, but I look out for them. But I think this is the only one that you can actually exchange for real gold. Very cool. And it's called Paxos? It's called Pax. Oh, the, uh, the project's called Pax Gold, but uh-huh. the company is called Paxos. And Paxos actually has about three other crypto blockchain-based projects that, that you can look, take a look at. But okay. this is their, their gold-backed venture. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, your cryptocurrency is tied to something ancient, <laughs> something that's been around for millennia. My crypto token for this month hasn't even been around more than two months. Ooh. We're talking brand new. That Early new token smell. That new token smell. Yes. All right. Let's hear it. So my token is a token that has been in the news quite a lot and we mentioned it already on this podcast and that is apecoin mm-hmm. so when apecoin first came out i didn't really pay much attention to it because i was like yeah i'm not part of the board ape yacht club i don't really care but you know it keeps coming up in the news over and over again so i figured you know what let's look into this let's find out what it's all about so like we mentioned ApeCoin is part of Board Ape Yacht Club, but here is the weird, it gets weird, Brian. I'm, I'm warning you right now. It okay. gets weird. I'm ready. So Board Ape Yacht Club Yuga, is owned by Yuga Labs, which is a company registered in Delaware, like a normal corporation. ApeCoin is not their coin. And the reason that they're claiming it's not their coin is because if it is their coin, then they have to be regulated to all sorts of securities and things like that. So ApeCoin is associated with Board Ape Yacht Club, but it is not owned by them. They did not create it. The ApeCoin Foundation created ApeCoin. Uh-huh. Yeah. Who owns the who owns the ApeCoin um, Foundation? I, I, I will. It's an yeah. independently run DAO, meaning decentralized autonomous organization. So it goes beyond Board Ape Yacht Club is their claim. So the ApeCoin is used for all of the stuff in the Bored Ape uh, metaverse, which is called Other Side. The metaverse hasn't actually launched yet. Um, they only launched their land sale, but it hasn't been built out yet. But it's very highly anticipated and makes lots of promises. Uh, the other way that you can use ApeCoin is for their community events. So let's say that you can't afford a board ape because you know you don't have three hundred thousand dollars lying under the couch. Uh, you can get some ape coin and still participate in the community that way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now the team behind Ape Foundation. So Ape Foundation will manage the DAO, and the initial board consists of five high-profile crypto investors. The first is Alex Ohanian, who is the co-founder of Reddit. Oh, okay. Might have heard of him. Another one is Amy Wu, who leads the crypto exchange FTX's Venture Arm. So she's also on the board. Then there's some people who I'm not as familiar with, which is uh, Maria Bajwa. She is from Sound Ventures. Mm. Yat Siu, who's from Anim... Animoca Brands, which is like a, a big player in the crypto NFT space. And then Dean Steinbeck, who is part of Horizon Labs. So they are the five who are in charge of the board, who are, who 
then manage the DAO. And the idea here is that ApeCoin is controlled by the community, but obviously community needs a little bit of guidance. So whenever you need to organize something in a more central way, the board can step in and kind of like put things up for a vote, you know, organize something so that people can vote on things, things like that. That's mm -hmm. kind of the idea behind the board. And the board is going to change every six months. So each of these people only have a six-month term. Hmm, I like that. Yeah, so that's nice. Uh, in terms of investors, it's really the people who are part of Board Ape Yacht Club. Uh, they can have ApeCoin. It was airdropped to them. And then anyone who buys ApeCoin is automatically kind of investing in the community, right? So very mm. community-driven type of project. And it's, they, even though Yuga Lab says that they are not going to, ApeCoin is not their thing, they're saying they will adopt ApeCoin as their primary token for all products and services. <laughs> it sounds like they found a very nice way around um, some of the regulations and red tape. Yeah, I was actually reading an article by someone who used to be, he was a lawyer and is now, I believe, a lawyer at Andreessen Horowitz. And he's like, this is a classic way of undermining the laws that were put together in 2017 so that people can't do this. So we'll see if they get in trouble for this. But it seems, according to this lawyer, that they will, they've distanced themselves enough from ApeCoin that they might not get in trouble or they probably won't get in trouble. So well, we'll see. I don't have a huge problem with people finding loopholes in regulation if it's for non-nefarious reasons. And, you know, I don't have a huge problem with it. I think there's too much government in general, too much oversight in a lot of different areas. And so if they're doing everything above board besides just finding some great loopholes, good on them for it. So cheers. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, it's yeah. a little suspicious. It's a little suspicious, but we'll see how it goes. Great. It's great. In, in terms of the advantage, so... You'll be able to use ApeCoin in all of the Yuga Labs universes, which includes Board Ape Yacht Club, Mutant Ape Yacht Club, and Board Ape Kennel Club. So they kind of have, you know, they're building like this little NFT empire, if you will. Okay. And interesting thing about ApeCoin is 62% of the supply is set aside for the ecosystem fund which will actually support community-driven initiatives, and those are going to be voted on by the DAO. So the DAO has 62% of the supply to do with what it will. Okay. Yeah. So I like that allocation. Yeah. And then the way that people got ApeCoin to begin with is in the first 90 days, if you held any of those NFTs that I just mentioned, they would airdrop you free ApeCoin, and you could just claim it for free. And uh, for a little kind of exchange ratio, if you had a board ape, you get 10,094 ape coin, wow. which is roughly $150,000. Can you imagine that that's what gets airdropped to you? <laughs> You're like, oh, thanks. Oh, man. I mean, you know, you got to spend money to make money, I guess. That's that annoys me so much because I'm like, so if I was rich enough to have a board ape, you would just give me more money now. It's like, it's so unfair. Yeah, well, you know what they say about life being unfair, but you know, some of the people that got Bored Apes, what was the lowest price that a Bored Ape sold for? Uh, when Bored Apes first came out, it was 250 bucks. Yeah. So, you know, 
if you would have been a little bit more degen, a little more into the <laughs> NFT pulse, you'd be one of those people that, that you're complaining about. I would be, and I, I would be lauding it over you right now, Brian. And I'd be like, oh, Brian, why didn't you join when I, I joined? I'm so smart. It's all yeah. board ape shirt, board ape hat, you know, board ape sideburns coming in. So you look like Dr. Zayas. <laughs> um, I think it's, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I have the same kind of uh, feelings when I miss out on good opportunities, but uh, you know, sometimes it just pays to, to be an early um, adopter, you know? And so, hey, exactly. being part of that club. Exactly. So, I mean, right now there will, there will be future opportunities to be early adopters. So we should have an open mindset. And when something comes out, we should say, Hey, I'm a, I'm going to explore that a little bit. I'm going to poke, poke around. I, you know, I, I totally agree. And that's why I want to explore the ZK sync uh, layer two solution and see if I can get airdrop some ZK coins. And also I was thinking about this earlier that, uh, you know, I, I hate to promote airdrops because of all the nefarious things that are happening, but you know, one thing we should keep our eye out for is legitimate airdrops that people might want to learn about. So they can yeah. be some of those first adopters. I have gotten burned by airdrops before. So I was part of this NFT group called Thor guards. And this guy was like, Hey, you should get a Thor guard right now. The price is going up because they're going to airdrop NFT weapons to everybody. I was like, oh, okay, like I'm going to get a free airdrop. So I bought in on a Thor guard. It wasn't crazy. It was like point, I think I got it for 0.2 Ethereum. So pricey, but not insane. Mm -hmm. And then the airdrop happened and everybody got their weapons and no one really cared. And the price went down. So I still have my Thor guard. I was like, wait, I thought the airdrop was supposed to make me so rich. And uh, it didn't. So that's my one word of caution about airdrops. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that just, you know, represents just the broader market in general. Like, you know, you never know what is going to go up or down. And, you know, for all the, the board ape yacht clubs and all the apes that do do well, there's hundreds of thousands that don't do well. And so... Some people just pick the right winner and uh, they, they do good. Some people get, they get burned with a, a bad weapon. That's not worth so much. So <laughs> la vie, you know, I love it. Love what you did there, Brian. Yeah. yeah. So, so that is advantage community. Like I mentioned, it's the three communities put together. So board apes, mutant apes and kennel club. And then right now I looked into some of the tokenomics of how many people have these, the ape coin, 14,000, uh, wallet addresses have claimed their ape coin. So 96% of all the ape coin has been claimed and that's spread across 14,000 addresses. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's, good. that's good community engagement. Yeah. So in terms of tokenomics, this is what's going to blow your mind. <laughs> so remember how, how your, your thing is like millennia old and it has like a valuation of hundreds of millions. This brand new token, only been around for a couple months, $4 billion market cap, which means that its market rank is number 31. In the NFT marketplace. Market rank number 31 on- On all crypto blockchain all, projects. All crypto. Okay. And so I mean, don't get me wrong. I, that's really amazing. Good for them. Do you feel like we're in an NFT bubble right now? Because that's I, pretty crazy. I do think that we are in an NFT bubble. I think what's going to happen is most projects are going to go to zero. And then we're going to have consolidation across the big projects. So 
I do think there's still opportunity for people to make money in NFTs, but you really need to buy high quality. So I have actually stopped buying into projects that are like 0.1 Ethereum, 0.2 Ethereum, you know, like stuff that's really cheap. And I'm trying to go after stuff that is what they call blue chip. So like more expensive, but I think those are the ones that are going to stay around versus the ones that. Well, okay. I mean, I, I, I like that strategy. And I mean, for me, I think about this in the way that, you know, sometimes there's art bubbles where paintings become valued at astronomical rates. And then that market falls because it's about supply and demand at the end of the day. What are people willing to pay for it? And so at the end of the day, um, you know, whether you buy low or buy high, it really has to do with just the broader um, valuation and um, desire for this market and these, these pieces of art, these NFTs. And so if the overall demand drops for just NFTs in general, then it really doesn't matter what you're invested in because everything pretty much is going to lose a certain amount of value. So that's my concern about this bubble. It seems like things are just really, really hot right now. And if, if one day people are like, eh, I'm, I'm over NFTs, let's look at this shiny new object over here. What happens to all these things when there's not a market for them? Yeah, I think, so I do think that there's a chance that things have become too inflated and prices will drop. So, and by drop, I mean, a board ape might go from $350,000 down to $200,000. I don't think a board ape is going to go from $350,000 to zero. Right. Yeah. Zero is a, that would be pretty extreme, but so, it seems like it's a very, very hot market right now. It is. Yeah. But so the equivalent that I think about is, would you want to buy a Monet, a Dali, a Picasso, you know, those, yes, they could go down in value, but temporarily, right? They're always going to go back up eventually because they are the ones, right? Like they are the, the masterpieces. Well, and here I'm going to say, I, I see what you're saying, but I'm going to argue that there's a difference. Okay. okay. Claude Monet is never going to paint another picture. Rembrandt is never going to paint another picture. There's a finite amount of these things out here. And yes, there are, there are a finite amount of the NFTs, but it's not like you can't just make more. You can't just make another Monet. You can't make another Rembrandt. You can't just mint one of those. When we're talking about digital assets, that there is still something there that, that says this isn't a rarity in the sense of never going to see it again. The so the blue chip NFTs yeah. are a rarity in that they they never increase supply of the initial collection. So for example, V Friends came out mm -hmm. and it was a small collection, and then they came out with V Friends two, but it was a separate collection. And the second collection is priced much lower; it's much higher quantity, but actually it boosted V Friends original. It didn't diminish V Friends original. And same with Board Ape Yacht Club. You have Board Ape Yacht Club, and then they did their spinoff, which is Mutant Apes. And then they did the spinoff, which is the Kennel Club. The Board Apes still went up in value. Yeah. It's not like it diminished it because it's a different collection right. by the same group. Okay. And I, I, I definitely see, I see the, you know, the path, but you know, as someone who studied art history and who, who likes the classics, I would still say <laughs> that in the, the day, we're still looking at things that aren't um, 
you know, they're not in the same level as something created by a person using a paint and brush and canvas, you know what I mean? And so for me, not just on an aesthetic level, but on just a, a more purist level, I, I think there's, there's, there's a big gap between that. And I'm not saying that, I mean, it's still supply and demand. It's still, what are people yeah. going to pay for this? But at the end of the day, I, I, I see them very different. There is. And I think that there are some pretty big differences. So CryptoPunks, the first will always be, that's like the equivalent of like a classic piece of art. Mm-hmm. Board Ape Yacht Club was the second and actually bought CryptoPunks. So they are in that same genre. Everyone else I would consider as like, nice to haves runners up not going to be the monets of the future now keep in mind that there is high-end art in the nft space mm-hmm. so if you go and people can check this out you don't need to pay any money to join this discord group it's called art blocks and they actually curate art digital art from some like phenomenal artists like these are very very talented people some of who do paint their nft art with brushes like Mm, they paint it in real life and then they scan it and then that becomes digital so there is high-end art in the digital space right yeah i've I've heard about you know projects like that and how artists who are actually you know physical um artists paint brush whatever medium and how they're doing really well but you know i looked at crypto punks and i look at it and just kind of like eh, you know for me aesthetically i'm just like okay yeah this is that's, worth it you know that's because crypto crypto punks is not one of those aesthetic ones so yeah, there right. are kind of two genres one is profile picture just like simple art but it's more about community and then there's the ones that are art based i can share some some like nft art that will blow your mind yeah. after this call where yeah, it's, it's amazing. So I highly recommend people check out Art Blocks. You can just go to their Discord and you can look at all these artists' art that they have curated. So it's all really high quality and some of the stuff there is mind-blowing. So yeah. if you're into the aesthetic side of things, that's the place to go. Yeah, and I mean, what's it, here's the thing also is like, you know, when Impressionism started, you know, people looked at that, the old critics, and they said, this is garbage. What is this person doing? They can't even make out the, the pictures. It looks like someone needs glasses. And if for every new art movement, the, the critics are always say, this is junk, this is crap, and then it takes off. I mean, you know, look how Jackson Pollock was received. Look at all the Impressionists, how they were received. So, yeah, once again, like, yeah, you never know. And uh, I guess you just have to take a chance and hope for the best. But uh Take a chance. And also Kevin Rose's advice, which I strongly agree with, is like buy stuff you like. Yeah. So that that way you're not like hanging on the price. You're not just speculating. So for example, one of my favorite NFT projects that I've been a part of is called Fiat Lux. And it's this Mm -hmm. sci-fi story building one. And like the price has gone down since I bought it, but I don't care because like I love the community we're like creating all these cool stories, writing all this cool stuff. There's amazing artists and musicians in there. So I'm getting amazing value out of it, whether the price goes up or down. I'm like yeah. really enjoying it. So that's what you should go after is stuff you'll enjoy, the community you want to be a part of, not just price speculation. Yeah. Don't chase the dollars, chase the love. Very well said, Brian. Very well said. So yeah, so that is uh, ApeCoin market rank 31. I will say real quick on tokenomics, 284 million circulating supply. Total supply is 1 billion. So we are only a quarter of the supply through. All-time low was a dollar. 
all-time high was $24, and the current price is $15. Okay. So my take on ApeCoin is I'm pretty dubious about it. I'm not sure. I'm kind of skeptical. If I do get into ApeCoin, I'm, I think I'm going to be down the road. Once it's actually valuable, I might participate. But for now, I'm a little on the fence about it. You're not going to ape in with the bananas blazing. I will not. I'm keeping my bananas in my pockets. <laughs> Let's call it a holster. <laughs> I don't have a holster, Brian. I just keep it in my pocket. It gets all mushed up. Oh, you need a banana holster, man. <laughs> all right. Well, awesome. that, was, that was a good one, man. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. So thank you guys for joining us. Again, if you have any questions about anything we discussed in this episode, remember you can write to us at questions at cryptosafari.us. And until next time, may your bananas be firm and sweet.